Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Happy New Year, church family. It is so good to be with you all. We are excited to get this year kicked off, and man, I love that we're able to just worship here together and to dive into the word. We are kicking off a brand new series called Moving Forward. And today I'm going to talk about this idea of embracing change. If you've been around BCC for a while, you may have heard me mention this survey that was done by Barna Research Group. In 2019, Barna Research Group did a national survey of cities in the United States, and they developed a list of the top 100 cities in the U.S. that were described as post-Christian. Now, when we say this word post-Christian and how Barna quantifies that, is this means that people have been exposed to Jesus, people have been exposed to the church, perhaps even participated in Christian activity, but they've rejected him and they've rejected the church culturally. So that's the list that we made it on in the Quad Cities because we made number 15 in the top 100 cities in the United States, and that is per capita. So that puts the Quad Cities region ahead of major metropolitan areas like Dallas, Fort Worth area. It puts uh, the Quad Cities ahead of Las Vegas, Nevada, and even Chicago, Illinois per capita, which means that our area, our region as a total, ranks very, very high, number 15, on a list of people who have been a part of Christian things, been a part of church, been a part of uh, things that had to do with Christ and have said, I'm done with that, I'm moving on, I've been exposed to it. So it's not like a people group who have never heard the gospel. It's not like a people group who are what's considered unchurched. They don't know anything about church. No, they know some things. They just don't want anything to do with it. Now, get this, I dug a little deeper because this really rattles me. There's 146 churches in the Quad Cities area, and less than 44% of our area claims to be Christian. Listen to this, uh, less than 49% of the Quad Cities area claim, claims to be religious at all. That means anything, that means uh, Buddhist, Muslim, anything. Just 49% claim to have any type of religious affiliation. So it's not just Christianity, it's just people being religious in any sort really because 44% of Quad Cities area claims to be Christian. Now the national average in the United States of America as a whole, the country as a whole, says 63% claim to be Christian. So that puts the Quad Cities well below the national average. And I want to tell you these things because I want us to get a picture of where God has strategically placed this church during this time, during this season, because some of us could get very discouraged. We could get really upset about hearing things like that, but actually it encourages me because I see a room full of people on New Year's Day who are gathering to worship God and who are hearing a message about moving forward, and I believe God has strategically placed us during this time, during this location, during this season, to be able to influence that and to be able to see eternity influence and impact it, amen? So, but here's the thing I want you to get, and I want you to think about this 
if we want to see things happen differently, if we want to see us get off of this list, if we want to see different results, that means we're going to have to do different things. And that's tough because change is difficult. We all understand and agree that change at any level when it impacts me personally is difficult. But if the cause is worthy, if the cause is worthy, we must champion it together and we must give our lives to it. Here's what I want you to write down. The eternal priority must supersede our comfort for us to get off of that list. The priority of heaven must supersede our comfort in order for us to get off that list because I want to see in my lifetime, I want to see the Quad Cities get off of this type of list of a top 100. And I believe that a church like BCC can be one of those influencers that God uses to be able to help change the trajectory that our region has been on. But it's gonna come at a cost. And the cost is going to be our comfort. The cost is going to be our preferences even. The cost is going to be our time, our energy, our effort, our resource. That's going to be the cost to the body of Christ that says I'm willing to give my life to see eternity impacted. I'm willing to give my energy, my focus, my effort because I want to see something change because I hope that hearing these things actually makes you want to rise up and to do something collectively about that. Let's go over to Judges chapter two. And I know this is a scripture that we've visited several times over the past year and a half. But I want you to remember in Judges, this is right after Joshua has led the people of Israel into the promised land. This is an awesome time in the nation of Israel. Because Joshua gave this great speech, this famous speech, right, in chapter 24, and it's made a lot of plaques and a, a lot of pieces of wood with like paintings on it from Hobby Lobby, and maybe you have this. As for me and my house, we're going to do what? Serve the Lord. Man, could you imagine being in that moment? And you're hearing Joshua, everybody's in the promised land. Joshua's dividing up the promised land. He's saying, this tribe go over here. This tribe go over here to this region. And then he gives this speech. If you guys want to go back and serve, oh, I could imagine. He had an organ, you know, it's just got to be there, right? If you guys want to go back and serve the gods that our forefathers served over in Egypt, you can do that. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And everyone probably just... Could you, don't you think people would have been like jacked about that? They would have been like so pumped. It wasn't us for me in my house. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna serve the Lord. No, it was probably like this impassioned thing, right? And you can imagine being in that moment and oh my goodness, everyone's, yeah, we're with you, Joshua. We're gonna serve the Lord. And then Judges chapter two, and let's look at verse 10. And it says, and all that generation, this is, Joshua and all the people who, who were a part of that great speech, who were there, all that generation were gathered to their fathers. That means they died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And this scripture 
I know I've said this before, but this scripture comes to my mind so often, and I think about it regularly. I think about it as I'm driving through the Quad Cities, and I think about number 15 on the list of post-Christian cities. We're not even that big of an area, right? And I think about that. When I'm driving around, sometimes I'll take my day off on Friday when uh, my kids go to school over in Moline, and when we'll drop them off at the Christian school there, I'll just sometimes just drive the long way home and maybe take some streets I've never been down before. And I just think about these cities, and I think about how there's people in this neighborhood or in that neighborhood that they, they don't want anything to do with Jesus or with Christians or with the church. There's people over here in this city and it just expands my, 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 my idea and my heart and my vision for these cities beyond Bettendorf, beyond just my, my comfortable little area and my little subdivision with my little HOA and all those things, you know. Um, which my HOA, actually my dues are coming up. So that's, uh, but you know, you think, that doesn't have anything to do with this sermon. It just popped in my head and it came out of my mouth. Um, But I think about my little comfortable space. Think about my little, little area. Think about, you know, my church. I think about, wow, there's a lot of reasons that we could be really comfortable. There's a lot of, things we could try to create that are accommodations for us, that we want to make this comfortable. But if we read Judges 2 and 10, my question always goes to, who missed it? Who missed their responsibility of passing the baton to the next generation? Because somebody missed it at some point. Christ, uh, you know, if, if Christ is not the priority in the home, if Christ is not the priority in our lives. If, if we're not passing on a stronger faith and handing that on to the next generation, are we in danger of letting the culture and the society that's already post-Christian influence the minds and the hearts of the next generation to where that number actually increases instead of decreases of people who are post-Christian? Are there people who, because they're post-Christian, have been so wounded by the church, that they're just tired of getting beat up. And they're tired of the pain. They're tired of the disappointments. They're tired of the disunity. They're tired of hearing one thing and then seeing another. I mean, is that what's going on that's causing this idea? Because something happened in Joshua's day, and something has happened in these cities to cause us to be so high on that list. And, and, and I don't know what all's happened. And we can play the blame game and point fingers and all that stuff, but I'm not really interested in that. I'm not interested in just mining out all of the, the who's to blame for Quad Cities being on this list or who's to blame during Joshua's day for that generation. I just want us to take responsibility for it and own it. That's what I want us as a church to do. And so for that to happen, we must live our lives with an eternal priority. Too often, churches become insulated and they only focus on what they like. We only focus on our preferences. We become an activity center for Christians and we look at other churches as competition and all churches do is just continually swap people. Well, did you know the so-and-sos are going over here now? Or did you know the so-and-sos are going over there now? And, all, and, and then we just swap people based on who has the greatest amenities 
Oh, did you hear they got a, 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 a new this or a new that? Oh, they got a really big screen. It's bigger than the one at BCC, you know? Or they, they've, they've got a, instead of a straight slide for the kids, they've got a twisty slide, you know? And, and instead of this type of program or this type of activity, they have this or that, you know? This church has 10,000 eggs at their egg hunt. This one has 20,000. Oh, we got to go there. And people do this stuff. And they just boom, 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 boom. Oh, somebody said something I didn't like. Somebody did something I didn't like. Somebody took away this program or this thing or this thing we've always had. And I've always liked it this way. Or this church, the chairs are just right. The music's just right. The, this is just right. The pastor preaches just long enough. You know, it's just, it's like we're playing Goldilocks and the Three Bears. And we're looking for the just right and we're looking for the thing that suits us. And, and can I tell you, I, I believe that that type of mentality that's a me first, that's selfish, it's sinful, and I believe that that's part of the reason that we see churches and communities end up on lists like what Barna did. Because people look at that and they go, I don't, I don't wanna be part of that. What, what's the benefit of that? We have to be something different, something with a different focus, amen? And I have seen how our church has grown with having an eternal focus, an eternal priority. Just in the short amount of time I've been here, in April, it's two years since I have been here serving as your lead pastor. And, and, and just in that short amount of time, I have seen people come together and do some incredible things for God. And I've just witnessed some amazing things and some, and some healing take place and some great things. And I believe that the greater things are yet to come, but I wanna make sure that we focus those energies and those efforts on living with that eternal priority, amen? amen? Because living with the wrong focus and going through the rituals and the rhythms of church activity are not enough. It's not just enough for us to keep the doors open. It's, it's gotta be more than that, right? It's gotta be more than just having programs and, and different events and different things that we do and different opportunities. It's gotta be more than that. Those things are great. It's got to be more than just Sunday morning services. It's got to be more than just locally here in Bettendorf. It's got to be more than just you and I and, 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 and what we can just do. It's got to be bigger than this because this thing has generational consequences. We cannot do what we have always done and expect things to change. Well, let's just keep doing the same old thing over and over again in every church, everybody, every Christian. Keep doing the same old things. Let's, we're on a list that we need to be off of, amen? The change doesn't come from us going backwards. The change doesn't come from us maintaining. It comes from us together in unity, moving forward, because something has to change. And, and here's what I believe. I believe it's me. I believe it's you. I believe it's us. We need to grow and change and embrace that change by not being afraid of it, because it challenges us. Because it means that I have to get outside of my comfortable Christianity bubble. That I have to maybe talk to someone I haven't talked to before. That maybe I have to engage people and look at people differently than I have before. That maybe I begin to focus less on my preference. I begin to focus more on eternity. You see, when I begin to live my life that way, yeah, it challenges me. It stretches me. It, 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 it challenges what's comfortable. It challenges maybe even what I've always known, but it's bigger than us. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter four this morning. And we're just gonna kind of hang out there. The apostle Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he is making a call to the church to really model 
this idea of love and unity because there is a watching world that desperately needs a savior. Ephesians chapter four and verse one, Paul says this. He said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children who are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and they have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to do what? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. This is what we're called to do. This is who we're called to be. Paul says ideas like, I want to urge you to pursue unity. I want to urge you to be of one heart and one mind. I want to remind you that you need to put on the new self, put off the old self, because this isn't how you've learned Christ, assuming you even know Jesus. Because if you really know Jesus, you're going to be able to recognize the old self and the new self. And if you're behaving and acting and thinking and speaking like the old self, put that off. That's not who you are. Put on the new self who is a a person who's going to be pursuing these ideas that are Christ-like, that are bringing people together in Christ, that are living with this eternal priority. All of these different things that he talks about, renewing your mind, thinking differently, put off this old self. You were formerly this way. and, And he says the Gentiles, the people who don't know God, 
The people who are not a part of the family of God. He said, these people, he said, they're hard in their hearts. So they're acting like people who are hard in their hearts. But if you are a Christ follower, you should not be resembling the way that they act, the way they think. You should be acting differently. You should be pursuing that type of edification where you're building each other in the body up with love and and helping to be equipped and to grow in the things of God. And these are those, those types of attributes. This is what Paul is saying. He's trying to get the church together on this idea of living with eternal priority and loving each other really well because that is an attractive thing to a watching world when a church is loving God and loving each other really, really well, amen? It's one thing to do good deeds outside of the context of a local gathering of believers, a church. That's great. I love when we do things outside of Sunday morning to influence certain areas or regions for the glory of God. If we're wanting to provide meals or resources or assistance or education, all of those things that we do, that we serve in these cities, I think is wonderful. And I never want to see us stop doing those things. But can I tell you that if we don't love each other as a church inside the four walls, inside the context of this family. And if we aren't unified, all of those things that we do, we're doing outside and it just is good, but it's not as attractive when they don't see us loving each other well. Amen? The world is watching. The Quad Cities, they've seen church before. A lot of them have probably even been to church before. And they're looking for something different, looking for something real looking for something to connect with that helps them to see, wow, I want to be a part of that. That's something I want to attach myself to. That's a Jesus I want to follow, amen? It's like 2 Corinthians 5 when the Apostle Paul talks about, in verse 20 and 21, he begins to talk about this idea about being ambassadors for Christ. That's what you and I are. We're ambassadors, we're representatives for Christ. And so here's our big idea for today, and I want this to set the tone for this year and for our church moving forward, and I want you to write this down. I want you to to be able to get this in your heart, and we're gonna say it a lot this year. What God has called BCC to do, it's bigger than Sunday, it's bigger than Bettendorf, and it's beyond our lifetime. That's what he's done, amen? He's called us to something that's bigger than Sunday. Sunday's great. We're gonna keep doing Sunday. Don't get nervous. We like Sunday gathering, but it's, it's not limited to what we do here on Sunday. It's actually something that we continue to grow in. And it's not even just here in Bettendorf. It's bigger than that. I believe God has called our church to these cities. I believe that we are a church for these cities, not just a church for this small region within the Quad Cities, but I believe we are called to impact and influence that. I believe God has strategically placed us in Bettendorf. I believe our campus is a strategic location. God knows what he's doing and I trust in that. And all of the people who have gone before, who have have cast vision and who have rallied the church to do great things together through all of the years, the 60 plus years of our existence as a church, I think that's wonderful. And we're just continuing to move forward as God continues to lead us and guide us, amen? And, and, and so it's, it's, it's not a shift as much as it is a building upon all of the foundation that has been laid before. And it's just the next step in what God has called us to do. 
And I want every one of us to have that heartbeat. Every one of us to care about these cities. I want you to care about Bettendorf, but I want you to care beyond Bettendorf. I want you to care and be involved in Sunday, but I want you to care and be involved beyond Sunday. And I want you to be thinking beyond your lifetime. I want you to be thinking, setting up, setting the table for the next generation. So when you and I are called home and we check out of this earthly existence, that there is a strong foundation that we have been a part of laying and been a part of influencing and been a part of sowing seed, watering the seed. And we have been modeling that and showing what eternal priority living looks like. Amen? To where we're not just shuffling the cards in the quad cities of the different church members who are chasing after amenities, but we're seeing new people come to Christ who were far away from Christ, who did not know him, who were alienated, who were enemies, as we once were, as Paul said, and now we're reconciled and brought into the family of God through what Christ has done. Amen? That we see that unsaved family member, that unsaved coworker, that unsaved uh, neighbor, We see them come to Jesus this next year and moving forward, amen? Amen. That we see people repenting and giving their lives to Christ and wanting to connect to something that's healthy and real and unified and loving and on mission and living for something bigger than what I get out of it. Living for a purpose greater than any individual, a purpose that's bigger than me, that's bigger than Sunday, that's bigger than Bettendorf that sees these quad cities as our regional mission field and also a church that is even spanning beyond the quad cities, that's sending out people into all the regions of the world, that's raising up men and women who are going to go and who are gonna be sent into dark places in this world that perhaps have never even heard the name Jesus, that our church can be that type of raising up and sending church that our church is investing in lives all over this world, amen? That's the type of church that I want us to embrace because I believe that's what God has called us to do. But here's the thing, the first step, it all sounds great, pastor. Woohoo! as for me and my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord, Woo! Okay. <laughs> what do we do? The, the, the first question that we have to ask, or the first step, is what is it going to take? And I want you to write that question down. And I want you to think about this, and I want you to pray about this. What is it going to take? This is the question that we're even logistically looking at as a leadership team, as a staff, and we're trying to digest and understand and and talk about this, because we're even looking just straight up numerically, like to get off of that list, what does that actually look like? Well, the, the rough numbers that we came up with, rough numbers that we came up with in doing this is that we need to see over 200,000 people come to Christ. We can't do that by ourselves, amen? <laughs> this is bigger than us. So we have to, with a purpose and with a focus, see these people, hear the gospel, respond to the gospel. That's a lot of people, isn't it? That, that's, that's pretty rough. And here's the other thing with those 146 churches. If you average out that you say that, man, in the Quad Cities area, that uh, those 146 churches, what's average maybe seating capacity? If you said like, I don't know, two, 250 maybe would be average seating capacities because there's like really small churches, there's really big churches, and there's medium-sized churches. And so if you said that there's churches in between, then if you do the math for the Quad Cities area, if every church were packed out 
next Sunday, there's still over like 50, 60% of the Quad Cities that couldn't even go, couldn't even attend. There's not even enough room. So we've got some work to do, amen? So I believe God has put this in our heart. What's the strategy? I don't know yet. We're praying about that. We've got some ideas that we're exploring that we want to step into, but what's it going to take? We have to ask that question. What's it going to take? It's great. Let's get off that list. How do we know when we've done it? (laughs) You know? How do we measure that? How can we look at that? That's what we are trying to answer. And here's the step that actually precedes that step. It's gonna take humility. That's what it's gonna take. Oh, let me say that again. It's gonna take humility because here's what humility does. Humility strips us naked of our agendas and our intentions. That's what it does. Humility, either forced humility or self-selected humility. Either way, if someone is humbled, either way, it strips us of our intentions. It strips us of our agenda. This is what I'm really trying to do. This is who I really am. This is what I'm really about. This is, this is the real me, right? Humility brings me to that place. Whether it's forced upon me or whether it's something that I have been able to pursue and, 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 and want and God, give that to me graciously. But either way, humility strips us naked of our agendas and our intentions. And it means that we're gonna have to grow as a church, embracing the changes necessary that God's gonna call us to make individually. Every one of us, there's things in your home that need to change. There's things in my home that needs to change. There's things in our individual lives that need to change. There's focuses that we need to change. If we're gonna see these cities reach with the gospel, That means that we must become a church that depends on God a lot more than we do because this is a Holy Spirit, God-sized vision. This is not something that we can go, all right, let's tactically figure this out. You know, let's let's not, no, that's too big. This is a God-sized vision. And for us to be able to pursue that and embark on that, we're gonna have to depend on the Holy Spirit a lot more than we do. How do we do that? We need to pray more than we do. Because when we pray, we deepen our dependence on God. When we're praying, we're saying, God, I don't got this. When we refuse to pray, we're saying, God, I've, I've got this. You know, Maybe you can help out when things get tough. No. Humility and dependence on the Holy Spirit says, God, I don't have this. I need you every step of the way. I don't want to do any part of this without you. I don't want to miss you in this. I mean, I don't want to miss you in this. I don't want to get focused on my idea or my agenda. Keep me humble, Lord, so that way my agenda is always, always aware in my own eyes. It's always laid bare. My intentions are always laid bare. Keep us humble, Lord. Help us to be a humble church. Help us to be a humble people. Help our leadership to be humble people. Help us, God, to be unified because we need to pray, we need to ask, we need to depend on him for those things instead of us trying to create something within ourselves. We'll miss it if we get focused on ourselves. And so prayer increases our dependency on God and I want us to specifically pray for these things this year and I'm gonna give you a list of four specific things and I want everyone in this church to commit to pray for these things. The first one is this, humility and repentance. Lord, help us to see where we've missed it. Lord, help us to see where we've gotten arrogant. 
Help me to see where I've gotten arrogant, where I've missed it, where I've allowed pride to blind me. Lord, give me a greater spirit of humility. Help me, Lord, to truly be honest with my intentions so I don't deceive myself, right? I don't want to deceive myself and I don't want you to deceive yourself because that's one of the biggest sneaky things that pride does, right? Pride comes in and it makes us think that because we feel a certain way or because we want certain things that we're justified in it and our emotions get involved and that begins to cloud all that stuff and it's just all rooted in pride and and God help us to stay away from that stuff. Because there's nothing that'll hurt a church or the, the, the enemy will try to find a way, find a crack, right? To get in there, someone, someone getting emotional, someone getting blinded, someone getting prideful, even good meaning, well-meaning intentioned people, right? Even me, all of us have this capacity for this and we have to stay humble. We have to pray for this and we have to repent when, when, when we recognize it, Okay? instead of justifying it. Because if we keep pursuing justifying it, then we're only gonna go deeper down that rabbit hole. So stop justifying those things. Instead, just repent of it. What does repent mean? It means not only to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. It means to turn, right? It's kind of this combo deal, right? It's this thing of like, God, forgive me, but also turn away from that. I want to turn away from it. Help me to be humble and help me to keep an attitude of repentance. This is why David was called a man after God's own heart. Not because David was great, because if you read about King David, he was a jerk. He did a lot of really terrible things, horrible things that he should have been thrown in prison for. But yet God walked with him through all of that and still somehow he comes out of the deal being called a man after his own heart, not because he was great, not because of anything David had done that made him great outside of, he always went back to this place of repentance. Every time he tried to keep his heart pliable and soft before God and not let pride set in. So let's pray for that this year. Second thing, unity in mission. I want us to pray for unity in mission as a church. That God, what you've called us to do, man, it is bigger Oh my goodness, this is so big. It's bigger than Sunday. It's bigger than Bettendorf. It's even beyond my, my lifetime. It's beyond all of our, our lifetime. So God, help us to be unified in how we walk this thing out and step this thing out because it's gonna require me to get uncomfortable. And when I come to the crossroads of my comfort, Oh, help me to stay unified. And, 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 and if, if, if I begin to feel like I'm not a part and I'm not in unity, then let's back up to step one and repeat, right? The third thing I want us to pray for is a greater love for God and one another that sets a righteous guard over our hearts and our mouths. Oh, now, now it's getting real. A greater love for God. So God, I want to love you more. Help us love you more. Expand the borders of my heart to love you more. And also expand the borders of my heart to love my church family more than I do. And help me to set a righteous guard, a righteous filter over my heart and over my mouth. Because Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, that the mouth speaks. 
So when you're tempted to gossip, when you're tempted, well, I'm just stating the facts. Hang on. That doesn't make it okay. I would say it to their face. That doesn't make it okay. Can we ask God to help us set a righteous guard over our hearts so our hearts don't wander into hard-heartedness? Because man, that's easy to do. It's so easy to do. And if we struggle with this, back up to number two. And if you struggle with that, back up to number one. Are you seeing kind of how this works? Yeah? I, I, we're, we're, I believe this is a sharp group of people, man. I don't think you guys, I don't think you guys stayed up too late that this is going, going over your head. I, I believe you're getting this. And that we love each other more than we do to where we set a guard over our heart and then also over our mouth. When we began to go down that rabbit trail, that conversation, oh, do you see what so-and-so, whoop, hang on. Nope, I'm gonna fight for unity. Nope, in our group, in our, in our small group, somebody else said, no, no, no. Let's not just excuse gossip with this term of venting or all those different things. I understand safe spaces to talk to people, that's great. But man, let's set a, a guard over our hearts and over our mouth, a righteous guard, something that's righteous. Is, are, are these things lovely? Are these things edifying? Are these things pure? All of the things that Paul talks about, these are the things we need to think about. Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest things, good things, let my heart stay there. And then lastly, number four, a greater heart for the next generation and for these cities. Because if we're going to impact these cities and the world, it's gonna be beyond our lifetime, then Lord, I need a greater heart for that. Maybe take a prayer drive. Maybe just you by yourself. Maybe you take your spouse, a friend, a family member, a child, take them on a drive. We're just gonna drive through the Quad Cities or maybe the, the smaller towns outside of the Quad Cities. Go through Eldridge, go through Milan, go through some of these kind of areas that are a little bit more on the outskirts, right? We're just gonna pray over these cities. We're gonna drive through the streets and we're gonna think about the people. We're gonna drive through the streets of Rock Island. We're gonna think about the people who live there that are on this list that God's called us to reach. Lord, I wanna pray for their homes. I wanna pray for these businesses. I wanna pray for these community leaders and influencers. And God, I wanna pray for them that they might come to know you. I wanna pray for these other churches I want to pray for these other pastors and these other leadership uh, functions that they have, they're, they're, whether it's an elder-led church or whether it's a deacon board or whatever. I pray for their leadership. Help them, Lord, to make wise decisions, to be discerning, to know your heart for where you've placed them, for why they exist in the Quad Cities. Lord, help us not see them as competition. Help them not see us as competition. Unify the body. Bring us together. Help us, Lord. We need you. We depend on you. Lord, give us a greater heart for these cities. Give us a greater heart for the people. And when, when you're sitting at a coffee shop and you're sipping on your, your, your coffee and you just kind of survey the people, man, we like to people watch, right? Like I do. I'll sit in a coffee shop all day. I am, that guy has weird hair, you know? How's he, how's he do that? He stacks all that up in this bun? I don't get that. You know? 
Oh, that guy's beard's longer than mine. I wonder how long it took him to grow that. We people watch, right? What if instead of just people watching, we go, Lord, I don't pray for these people. Because I don't know how many of them don't know you. And Lord, if you want me to talk to somebody, help me to have the courage to step out. If you want me to buy somebody's coffee, I don't don't know, Lord. I'm just going to have to do something different than I've done before, right? I'm going to have to step outside of what's comfortable. I don't know how this is going to go. Holy Spirit, I trust you, right? That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's what we're called to do, church. And so I want us to pray for these four things. Will you join me this year? Can we agree this year? Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, you have kids in the home or you have, you have uh, influence with your kids where you see them or your grandkids or whatever. What if when you said your prayers, what if you just prayed for those four things with them? How powerful would that be? You begin to cultivate that heart in them such an impressionable young age what type of world changer are you going to be raising and influencing at that point that they're thinking beyond Sunday as a child (laughs) they're thinking beyond Bettendorf as a child that they're even thinking beyond their lifetime when they're children because you're casting that vision to them so that we don't end up getting higher on that list or even being on that list and we don't end up like Joshua 2 and 10 where there rose a generation that didn't know the Lord. No, we, we make a stand and we say, no, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Not just in this generation, but to the next generation. Amen? Amen. So God, help us do this. Lord, we do repent and ask you give us the gift of humility and however you see fit that it come to us. Lord, expose anything in our hearts that needs to be exposed, any any unrighteous agenda or any self-serving agenda or intention. We lay these things at your feet, Lord. Help us to take up your righteous agenda the things that are being about the Father's business, being about the business of eternity, being about the things that are gonna represent and reflect Christ in a way that causes change not only in us, but in those around us, those we sit beside at work every day, those that we may work with on an assembly line, those that we may teach and interact with during the day those that we may have influence with around the dinner table at night. Help us to, with humility, Lord, lead, influence, and impact. Lord, we give all this to you, and we trust you. Lead us and guide us, Lord. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.